0: Right after the international news. Good evening and welcome to South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Monday, November 28, 2022. Lawmakers from the East African community say South Sudan is a good place for investment.
1: So one can confidently say that this time around peace has come to stay in the Republic of South Sudan.
0: And a serial rapist has been arrested in South Sudan. And he committed
2: these acts way back in 2015, according to the video that we have, when he has been bringing in women and
0: young girls. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. UN experts attending the prevention of sexual violence in London call on the government of South Sudan to investigate top officials for their role in sexual violence. Yasmin Sokka, the chairperson of the UN Commission on Human Rights in South Sudan, says if South Sudan government is serious about, about tackling sexual violence, it should immediately remove from office and investigate governors and country commissioners alleged to be complicit in the systemic rape. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Juba.
3: In a pressed statement Monday, the UN Human Rights Commission calls on the government of South Sudan to immediately remove from office and investigate governors and county commissioners whose actions allegedly resulted in systematic sexual violence. Yasmin Suka is the commission chairperson.
4: I think enough evidence exists to identify them and um, the government ought to take action against them. Then, of course, the government should pass legislation to incorporate command and superior responsibility so that we don't only hold foot soldiers available. The statement was released
3: ahead of the International Conference on Preventing Sexual Violence in London this week. South Sudan repeatedly has pledged to tackle sexual violence. In 2014, President Kiir signed a joint communique with the UN agreeing to be a champion in the fight against conflict-related sexual violence. In 2015, the opposition SPLM-AIO announced its action plan to tackle sexual violence and an implementation plan. In 2019, the army unveiled a plan to tackle sexual violence. And in 2020, South Sudan started a gender-based violence court in Juba. Soka says gang rape remains one of the main ways in which women and girls are attacked in the ongoing conflicts. The vast majority of cases go unreported because of fear of rejection by families and communities. Suka says what is disheartening is that many women in South Sudan continue being subjected to sexual abuse while the men responsible for their suffering are promoted and rewarded. The UN Commission says it has reasonable grounds to believe that earlier this year a government-appointed county commissioner in Unity State who was present at systematic gang rapes at a cantonment site the UN says this was part of a well-planned offensive against civilians in an area considered loyal to the opposition. The abuses allegedly involved beheadings with rape victims being forced to carry the severed heads, victims being burnt alive, and days of brutal sexual assault by up to 10
4: men at a time against young women and girls. What's different is the levels of brutality. Um, In the recent experiences in Southern Unity State, men were beheaded and the victims of conflict-related sexual violence actually had to carry those severed heads. Then, of course, you're witnessing both the young and the elderly. I mean, girls as young as nine are being gang-raped. And it's not just once. I mean, if you talk to the women, there are periodic episodes over time, and in uh, particular case of women who had fistula injuries, women in South Sudan are beginning to normalize that conflict-related sexual violence is amongst the many violations they suffer. And at the end of the day, they ask the question, what is actually going to be done to assist them? They're tired of giving their stories and testimonies because they actually see no action to both hold those who are responsible accountable or to alleviate their plight. And that's really what the government ought to be doing, which is to deal with them in a way which not just acknowledges um, the violations but also addresses the harm and the consequences as well.
3: Soka says the international community should set up a hybrid court for South Sudan as soon as possible to address widespread impunity for conflict-related sexual violence.
4: The international community can, of course, always put pressure on South Sudan. But the most immediate, I think, would be to find ways of supporting South Sudanese civil society who actually deal with survivors. But, of course, we need to always ensure that there's accountability and transparency around this kind of funding. And if it goes to the government without it actually being used for survivors, then, of course, there's a challenge. And I think that's the responsibility that lies with the international community as well.
3: The UN Human Rights Commission says impunity for sexual violence cuts across all political factions in South Sudan. The commission notes the opposition appointed as governor of Western Equatoria a militia leader turned military officer who was in command in 2018 for the abduction, rape, torture and sexual slavery of more than 400 women and girls. Both Balwang, the director of information for the Sudan People's Liberation Movement in opposition, says the opposition SPLM-AIO is committed its, to its plan to tackle sexual violence. Balwang says the SPLM-AIO has disciplined some of, has disciplined some of its officers
5: accused of sexual violence. Well, we have three, three governments in South Sudan. The governor of uh, Western Barghazal, the governor of Western Equatoria and Apa, And none of them uh, has been uh, accused of, uh, uh, you know, such violences violence that you have mentioned in that report. So they cannot just be relieved or sacked for no reason.
3: Several calls to Michael McQuey, South Sudan's information minister and government spokesperson, went unanswered. His staff said he was in Ethiopia and could not command. Major General Lul Rai Kong, the armed forces spokesperson, says the military has been punishing soldiers found guilty of sexual violence.
5: The issue of sexual uh, violence against civilians, a so, few were. Uh, some incidents were recorded in Ye, in Ye River County. We we at least on three or four occasions sent sent mobile courts, military mobile court to Ye to address the same issue, and we have been uh, convicting uh, suspects. We we even recently, as early as uh, two months ago, we did. court martials, the bodies for court martials were announced here at general headquarters in Bilpam. Those who were accused of maybe violating the rights of women in Yei, they were convicted, sentenced to various terms in prison, some were dismissed from military service. The same thing we send a mobile courts to Unity State, to Upper Nile, to Jonglei State to address the issue of sexual violence against women. So if they are saying that we have been doing very little, that's not correct. Whenever we receive reports of side violations, the culprits would be arrested, they would be tried before competent military courts. So if they are saying that we have not been doing enough, no, that's not true. Armed
3: groups, including the organized forces, have committed widespread rape as part of military tactics, according to a UN report released in March. The UN report holds government and military leaders responsible for failing to punish those involved. The UN Commission on Human Rights is mandated to collect and preserve evidence for use in a future hybrid court. Efforts to set up the court have been delayed for many years. For VOA News, I am Deng in Juba.
0: As South Sudan joins the rest of the world in marking the 16th day of activism against gender-based violence, activists in South Sudan are calling on the government to address sexual violence across the country. South Sudan's Minister for Gender, Child and Social Welfare, Ayah Benjamin Warili, says her ministry has received an alert from a whistleblower about a serial rapist in South Sudan's capital, Juba. For VOA News... Julian Shia reports.
6: Daniel Mature is a whistleblower who have been reporting cases of sexual exploitation and abuse. He recently alerted the ministry about a suspect who allegedly has sexually abused patients at Juba Teaching Hospital since 2015. And he committed this act way back in 2015,
2: according to the videos that we have, when he has been bringing in women and young girls to his office that was then located within Juba Teaching Hospital in Juba, South Sudan, sleeping with them. Uh, Video evidence show um, rap with the young girls and the women, some of them giving cash. And on top of this, um, he seems to be taking the videos of the act himself. And uh, the evidence we have shows about nine victims um, sexually abused and harassed and raped.
6: The 16 days of activism against gender-based violence kicked off last week with activists calling the government to address sexual harassment in the country. South Sudan Minister for Gender, Child and Social Welfare, Aya Benjamin Warile says it is sad that people in South Sudan have been protecting an alleged serial rapist.
1: It's very unfortunate that we we also got a, a report of a serious uh, case of sexual abuse um, from uh, a prominent uh, uh, member of the society. Um, we condemn this as a ministry. It happened long time ago, and we are happy that it's already in the hands of the uh, law. Um, law enforcers so we 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 encourage people to report cases. We know this thing happened a long time ago but it's never too late.
6: Warila asked stakeholders in the 16-day campaign against gender-based violence to take up their responsibilities and report all abuses to her office. The suspected serial rapist has been arrested and investigations are ongoing before he is charged in court. In May, an Awil court sentenced a man to death after he was found guilty of raping and killing a 12-year-old girl in Northern Baral-Ghazal State. For VOA News, I am Juliana Shapai in Juba.
0: South Sudan's Transitional Legislative Assembly is hosting the 12th Inter-Parliamentary Games to sensitize members, staff and citizens about the importance of the East African Community. The 8-day event concludes football, netball, athletics, tug of war, volleyball, walk race, golf, basketball and that's for players from the five East African countries of Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, Burundi, and Uganda. The Speaker of the Transitional National Legislative Assembly, Nunu Kumba says South Sudan is honored to host the games. Juliana Shiapae has more for VOA from Juba.
6: Legislators from around the East African community are challenging each other in football, netball, athletics, tag-of-war, volleyball walking race, golf, basketball and dance. Gemma Nunukumba says she is grateful to the East African community for trusting South Sudan to host the 12 interparliamentary games.
1: So one can confidently say that this time around peace has come to stay in the Republic of South Sudan and as the political representatives of, of, the, of all in the East African community, you are very present in Juba. At this point in time, demonstrates our solidarity and that of all East Africans with the people of South Sudan, as we endeavor to usher the country into an era of
6: peace, stability, and nation building. Representatives from Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, Burundi, and Uganda began the eight days event on Friday. Kumba says, the tournament is expected to create an environment for healthy competition among East African countries.
1: The games provide for us the opportunity to know each other, learn from each other, uh, recognize each other's problems, and appreciate each other's viewpoints and achievements. By bringing the region's parliamentarians together, Therefore, this tournament contributes to deepening integration within the East African community. In as much as it enables our politicians to appreciate how vulnerable we would be to each other in an increasingly integrated East Africa community.
6: A Ugandan lawmaker says he was surprised to see development in South Sudan. Mosija Jonas says he will tell the Ugandans that South Sudan is a peaceful place.
2: Yes, it is my first time and uh, I was a bit scared. But what is on the ground is... Is not what is portrayed. The, the environment is, is calm, and the, we we we've been. The Sudanese are very friendly. That's what I can able to affirm and confirm. That what is being portrayed is not what I've seen. And the, I was so much amazed with what is happening as far as infrastructure is. What is going on?
6: Matthias Robi, a member of parliament from Kenya, says biased news about South Sudan has discouraged people from visiting the country.
0: Some people from other countries like Kenya, Tanzania, uh, Rwanda were not expecting be in a peaceful way as we are we, we have witnessed here in southern sudan personally as a member of parliament from kenya i'm supporting these inter inter games among us so that it can create peace and we are also Welcoming the DRC people so that uh, this one can be taken to the country so that it can promote peace.
6: Tanzania lawmaker Priska Tarimo says most lawmakers from the region feared insecurity as they came to South Sudan.
5: When we first heard that the next competition is going to be held in uh, South Sudan, we were, we were scared. We were... Not sure um, what uh, the security would look like, uh, the people, the the grounds, and everything. But we were. um, one point motivated because we knew that uh, uh, the uh, decision to uh, get uh, South Sudan into East African community, most of the things uh, must have been taken into consideration, including the stability, the economy, the people and the readiness of the whole um, integration of the East African community.
6: The 12th interparliamentary games ends on Friday. For VOA news, I am Juliana Shepai in Juba.
0: You are listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Coming up, Uganda says it is impressed with its effort to fight Ebola. Find out more after the break.
4: South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus 630 Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in Focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, one
0: You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the voice of America. The government of Uganda says it is impressed with the country's efforts in the fight against Ebola. Uganda's vice president this weekend addressed the nation and delivered President Museveni's message. She said, although too early to celebrate, various districts have spent without reports of additional Ebola cases. Reporter Mungume Davis-Rakarinji has more from Kampala.
2: Uganda's vice president, Jessica Alupo, delivered the government's message this weekend and said the number of cases has significantly dropped in the past two weeks including in the epicenter districts of Mubende and Cassandra. She said they have not had a case of Ebola for the last 13 days.
7: The districts of Mubende and Cassandra have only gone 13 and 15 days, respectively, without a case, and there are 23 people in quarantine in Mubende, while in Kasanda there are 102 contacts under follow-up.
2: Uganda's Minister of Health says since September, Ebola has claimed at least the lives of 51 people. Alupo said the government has managed to prevent further spread to other districts. But she quickly said it's too soon to celebrate because of the intubation period of the virus.
7: This situation is still fragile. Without completing 21 days, as we saw with Mubendi, a case can pop up anywhere. It is therefore important that we complete the entire cycle, which will bring us to 17th
2: December. Last month, The government introduced a lockdown in affected districts to prevent further spread of the hemorrhagic fever. Dr. Samuel Eledu is the head of the Uganda Medical Association. He says with the Christmas season setting in, all citizens must be sensitized about the disease.
5: We ask Ugandans at this time to be proactive at such a time because this is a very critical moment where movements are massive, where people are moving from one place to another. And we need them to be involved to protect others.
2: There is no vaccine for Sudanese variant of Ebola, but simple practices like hand washing and avoiding contact with infected people and with wild animals such as bats and primates may help prevent the disease. For VOA News, I am Mugume Davis Rwakarinjin Kampala, Uganda.
0: This week promised to be a decisive one for Qatar FIFA World Cup for the indomitable Lions of Cameroon. African champions, the Lions of Terenga of Senegal and Ghana's Black Star And Ghana's Black Stars. Senegal won a game and lost another. Cameroon lost its first game and will play its second today. Ghana will also pitch when it takes on South Korea. But first... We begin with Morocco's stunning defeat. And joining us from Accra is VOA's Jackson Vunganyi.
8: James, you know, this is a World Cup of surprises, you know. Japan beats Germany. Then, you know, it's beaten by Costa Rica. Argentina gets beaten by Saudi Arabia. And now Morocco just stuns everyone by beating number two ranked Belgium. I mean, James. What more are we to expect, Charlie, as they say here in Ghana? <laughs> it would have been three goals hadn't it been for that VAR denying them that goal, which was uh, ruled an offside. Anyways, this win means that Morocco will take over the top spot in the Group F table.
0: Apart from the World Cup being a World Cup of chances, I want to say that uh, Morocco seemed to have been the better team.
8: Absolutely, absolutely. They were a better team there, and they showed it on the on the field today. They brought talent, they brought stamina, they brought, you know, their strategies. And everything seemed to be working for them in this game.
0: Of course, Jackson. Today, Monday is another important day for Africa when the indomitable lions of Cameroon take on Serbia and uh, Ghana take on South Korea.
8: Absolutely. Today, the match of the day for most of Africa will be the Ghana versus South Korea game. Now both teams are in the group H and they will be fighting hard for their first win. Remember, Ghana lost narrowly to Portugal, uh, a team that is ranked number nine in the world. And that match could have gone either way, gents. And many say that if it wasn't for that penalty awarded to Ronaldo in the opening minutes that you know the black stars had the potential to win the match now remember they were the first african team to score two goals in this tournament on the other hand south korea really looked solid when they drew with Uruguay. For the Black Stars, they really need this win if they are to avoid an early exit from this tournament. Now, both Sabia and Cameroon, another match that you mentioned, uh, they need this win. Remember, they both lost their opening matches in their Group G, and so it is crunch time for both of them. This is a very crucial game. Jackson,
0: thank you so much again. We look forward to speaking with you
8: after those games. Thank you so much, James. Good to talk to you.
0: That's VOS Jackson Vonganyi speaking with my colleague James Batty from Accra. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the
6: United States government.
9: Bosnia and Herzegovina held elections on October 2nd, but the run-up to the vote was anything but smooth. According to the high representative for Bosnia and Herzegovina, Christian Schmidt, who presented his report on Bosnia and Herzegovina to the U.N. Security Council in early November, the political parties and relevant institutions focused on the preparations for and setting up of the elections. Unfortunately, partly by questioning their conduct and blocking their financing, as well as on the registration of parties and candidates and the election campaigns. Using his bond powers, High Representative Schmidt was forced to step in and enable the financing of the general elections of 2022, as well as future elections. Without this intervention, it would not have been possible to prepare for and conduct the general elections on the 2nd of October, he said. Respect for Democratic institutions institutions and election integrity are two vital components of these aspirations said US senior advisor for security council affairs Jeffrey De Laurentiis. That is why we are deeply concerned by allegations of fraud in the recent election and the lack of accountability for perpetrators of fraud.
8: We encourage Bosnian institutions to fully address the shortcomings raised by election observers and urge all stakeholders and citizens to pursue any grievances through established channels. Once election results are fully certified, we urge leaders on all sides to make every effort to support speedy government formation.
9: The United States supports the Office of the High Representative and the use of bond powers when the high representative deems necessary, said Ambassador De Laurentiis.
8: The bond powers are a key tool to maintain stability in Bosnia and Herzegovina and the region. The October 2 imposition was necessary to unblock the functioning of the federation prevent the collapse of the Federation Constitutional Court and address power-sharing
5: issues.
9: The United States remains steadfast in our support of Bosnia and Herzegovina's sovereignty, territorial integrity, and multi-ethnic character, said Ambassador De Laurentiis. We are committed to partnering with the citizens and government of Bosnia and Herzegovina as they work towards the comprehensive electoral, political, social, and economic reforms necessary to secure the future all people of the country deserve.
5: That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government.
0: That's all we prepared for you this Monday. Don't forget to check out VOAafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Emmanuel Kembe and the song Celebrate. Been listening to Emmanuel Kembe and the song "Celebrate." I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.